everybody and welcome to episode five where we have our second guest today and uh, we are actually in different venues. I am up in Donegal and Aidan you are in County Westmeath. Great county. Yeah. You're up to me. You're up to me. So yeah we're not together and we weren't together for this podcast either so it's the first podcast that we recorded on zoom so we're hoping that the quality is good we've listened back to it it sounds okay steven still sounds very dreamy and box <laughs> as we speak um uh we didn't get to brew coffee again because of uh geographical problems <laughs> but i i had a cup of coffee from meet me in the morning and pleasant streets in dublin and their coffee roaster is a Barcelona company called Nomad. So you can check them out on Instagram if you're looking for a roaster outside of Ireland. And I don't know, if Stephen, you didn't really get to drink coffee that day, did you? I had a big cup day. That was a big moment which I was happy enough with. They <laughs> <laughs> did the job. Um, we spoke to someone who I met a couple of years ago when I did my life coaching course. And her name is Mara Dolan. And Mara is a business psychologist and she also works in leadership and development and mental fitness and positive intelligence coach. Now, that's some mouthful, but we do discuss um, right away what positive intelligence is. And we discuss things like decision-making and how to break things down for ourselves. Mara is also publishing a book um, the cl- collaborative nature of coaching. Um, you can find her on www.leci.ie. You can get her on LinkedIn at Maura Dolan, or you can email her directly, Maura at leci.ie. Yeah, and we'll put the links to all that in the bio. Um, so check them out. So without further ado, I will stop talking now and let you listen. <laughs> the podcast before you do we didn't actually pick a name have you something in your head um, decisions. I, I, say it again decisions decisions yeah they are simple yeah what a fact. <laughs> we hope you enjoy the podcast peace and love Hi guys, so we're trying something different today we're going to be doing a, a zoom call and me and Stephen aren't together we're joined by Mara Dolan, who I've just introduced there in the intro. And Mara, we're going to ask you uh, your first question of today. Thank you for joining us, by the way. Um, on your LinkedIn profile, which people can find um, at Mara Dolan, you say your uh, expertise are in positive intelligence. Can you explain to us maybe what that is? Sure, absolutely. Aidan, Stephen, delighted to, to chat to you both and how are you both. Uh, so positive intelligence is a program that has been developed by a very famous psychologist called Shirzad Shamin. And the intention by the, but behind the program is to help people develop what we call the mental fitness or the mental mastery. And when we say mental fitness, what we mean by that, it's our, our capacity to handle life's challenges with a positive rather than a negative mindset. And whereas that in itself sounds very simplistic and idealistic, really the science behind this program is that it helps us to understand how we begin to rewire our brain and to rewire and change 
habitual habits that we have developed since childhood. So in terms of rewiring the brain, if you think of it, your brain has been formulated and has been developed since you were whatever age, two, three, four years of age, they've begun to be developed. And as you go through life, you develop habits and passions and ways of behaving that in some way protect you and keep you safe. And they themselves are okay, but as you go through time, they sometimes we begin to overdo them to the point where they actually become negative behaviors. So if you take, for example, one classic behavior that people might develop is one called being a pleaser style of person, okay? And for a person who has this habit of being a pleaser style of person, what they tend to do is A, sacrifice their own needs, and B, do really accommodate other people all the time to the, to the extent where, yes, they sacrifice their own needs, but they can also actually disempower others from doing things for themselves and actually cultivate a sense of learned helplessness in another person as a result. And this in itself can be, can be you know, a very negative outcome from what's intentionally a very good behavior. So with the Positive Intelligence Programme, what it teaches you to do is it teaches you to rewire the neural connectors in your brain so that as you become aware of, of doing this particular behavior during your daily lifetime, you put in what's effectively like circuit breakers to get you to stop doing this behavior and to think about doing something else that's a more positive behavior. And, and so in doing that, really the science behind changing, rewiring the brain is that you have to make small, consistent efforts every single day. And the, the underpinning part of this program is you have an app which is actually linked into what we call a mental fitness gym. And through this app, you can, you can practice every day changing these daily behaviors. And so it becomes a very effective way of doing it. And, and I guess the interesting thing about the science behind changing behaviors, and again, maybe not a lot of people are aware of this, but it's a particular piece of, of, of science developed by a guy called Parcheska. And what he says that in the first two years of trying to change behaviors, we fail at least 14 times. And when we say fail, fail is only first attempt in learning. F first, A attempt, I in L learning, first attempt in learning. And of course, we all know what happens, you know, third week in January, everybody stops going to the gym because it's just too hard. We don't want to do it anymore. And we give up and say, can't do it, can't do it. It's not possible. In fact, it's my favorite time. Third week into the gym, I love it because there's nobody there anymore. It's fantastic. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, the, the idea is that people need to, to remember to pick themselves up, dust themselves down and restart again. And again, the benefit of engaging in something like a positive intelligence program is it supports you in picking yourself up dusting yourself down and starting again. And so gradually over a period of time, you begin to rewire the brain on a real long-term basis and change your behaviors. And it, it really it supports improving not only performance, but also mental well-being. See there with that, that example that you used with the person, you know, who, who's a people pleaser and it's generally seen as a, as a positive <clears throat> Um, behavior to have yes. how does that person end up coaching with you unless they realize it's a problem so that that's a, that's a really interesting question 
um, and again, there are a number of ways you can come to this aid, and thanks for asking that. So one is through asking open questions of a person. So when you're coaching and working with them, Aidan, one of the skills of coaching a person comes back to basic communications, okay? And in basic communications, and no more than in coaching, when you're working with a person, if you ask them what we call open questions, which are questions such as who, what, when, where, and how, that tends to get the person to give you a lot more information because you're reaching out to them, you're showing your interest, saying, well, tell me more about how did you manage to do that? What was the reason for doing that? And, and, and in engaging with the person and building that trust and relationship, you find they tend to give you a lot of information. And so if you take, for example, with the pleaser piece, you could say, well, something like, tell me about a time when you did something that you'd preferred not to do, but you did it because you felt you were going to help somebody else out and it was in fact to your detriment. And so they begin to share their stories with you. And as they share their stories with you, you begin to identify the different behaviors. So that's one way. And the other way, Aidan, is there is a positive intelligence assessment, which is a very, very powerful assessment. And again, in, in completing that assessment, it's the self-report of a, a number of questions you, you, you respond to yourself. And when you complete that assessment, you get a self-report and that highlights your top three behaviors. And again, as a coach, you would work with a person through understanding the, you know, what's happening as a result of those behaviors, uh, what's triggering them, what do they, what does the person think it's, how do they think it's serving them? And when you begin to poke at them about how it's serving them, they actually begin to see that sometimes the behaviors are holding them back rather than working in their favor. So I don't, how much sense does that make to, to both of you? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense because I would have said I would have been years ago more of a people pleaser or trying sure. to in that frame of mind and I've worked on it a lot over the last I suppose four or five years specifically but even I still know people that are still sort of people pleasers and they're starting to realize that yes. they're actually being affected themselves and um, most for example that test you said is that test readily available the Yes. First of all, you could find it on my website, which is www.lecky.ie. You can also find it on the Positive Intelligence website, which is positiveintelligence.com. So it's freely available. And that's the one thing I really like about it, Stephen, is there's a spirit of generosity and generativity with this particular whole program, uh, you know, where you can get a start by beginning to understand yourself without having, say, a financial outlay or whatever, which is fantastic, you know peace to give away to the world it really is and in fact Stephen the really interesting thing about it was the way I came to her about it was my daughter with three chattels as I call them not children about the chattels <laughs> but our, our youngest uh, our daughter Kira is 23 and she actually was sent this by one of her mates uh, at this positive intelligence assessment and this was probably about three years ago Stephen and she passed it around to our whole family and we all completed it. And we'd actually great crack out of it because like, say my class would be pleaser, hyperachiever and restless. My husband's a voider, hyperachiever and, and a stickler and Kira's is something else and her two brothers are something else. But we actually have great, great, great crack poking at each other. Oh, here's your avoider coming again, dad. Come on now, come on, step up to the plate. So it's, it's fantastic. And I encourage, when I work with people in news, I encourage people to share it around give it to your friends, complete it, you know, enjoy it, engage with it. So it's, it's, it's super from that point of view, Stephen. Yeah, that's brilliant. 
Um, yeah, because I kind of sound similar. Like I have family WhatsApps and stuff. We throw out yeah. these questionnaires of like, who's your or like I don't silly stuff like. But so that yeah. might, might actually get a bit of crack, but also learn something from it yes. as opposed to dishonest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and do you know the other thing, Stephen? I mean, even if you think about when you think about your pleaser behavior, for example, right? And we have what we call justification lies. So for you, what, what would have been a, a justification lie or, or, or an excuse you'd have given yourself for doing the pleaser habit, not the pleaser behavior? What would have? Um, yeah. I suppose back when I was more in that frame of mind, it was a good question, actually. I suppose I was just trying to, trying to keep people happy, keep the peace. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there was, pro- there was definitely an element of wanting to be liked. Yes. That if I don't yeah. do this behavior, this person will stop liking me. Yes. And definitely would have had that mindset, which is quite unhealthy. Yes. And reality looking back now is I was putting my own mental health and detriment to try and make sure I was liked. Yes. I don't know, would you come across that much or? Yes, uh, absolutely. Very classic one of other people, please, to be honest with you, Stephen. And I'm sure now that you've changed and begun to change that behavior, how much have you noticed that it, it gives you a different sense of values, perhaps around friends and about what's important? How's that worked for you? Yeah, you realize that uh, what thoughts I would have had, uh, I sort of exasperated them a little bit. And I thought, oh, this person will stop liking me and I'll stop wanting yes. to hang out with me. But then in reality sets in, they don't. And then on the does, Stop liking me for that reason. I realize now that's someone you don't really want in your life anyway. Absolutely. And those that, yeah, so I, I, you need to get closer to people in a sense because the friendship or the relationship's not based off me pleasing them in, a, in that capacity. So, yeah, I think it's actually been healthier since. Yeah, no, and I, I, would, t- I would totally get that. To- totally get, and that is something I would get feedback from a lot of people as well. And, and, and the other thing, Stephen, well, I'm not saying this in the context of you, but also sometimes, and all these behaviours, you know, they've, they've, they've different aspects to them. But if you take something like that, please, a behaviour, sometimes there's all, also an agenda of manipulation, if that makes sense to you. So if I'm nice enough to this person, then they owe me. And then classically what happens is we take a person and get upset when the person doesn't give back because they don't owe us. You know, and, and we, we need to become aware of those agendas. And it's the power, I guess, of having these conversations with people, isn't it? That you get, you, you kind of poke at people and get them to see, you know, the, the true side of what's going on for themselves. Or if you're, if you're poking at someone and, um, you know, what, what's, a, what's a tactical approach to, to poke at someone without agitating them? Because I can imagine these aren't easy conversations to have. So, what way would you have someone, um, what level would someone be on for you to sort of ask them sort of questions that they're comfortable enough to ask them? Or how do you get someone to that level of conversation? Yeah, I think it's a, a, a very important question, to be honest with you, Aidan, because, you know, you have to leave people with their dignity. You have to make sure that people feel they're in a safe environment and they're in an environment where there's a trust and a relationship and a rapport there. 
So classically what you would do is, you know, the, the first time you meet somebody in a start conversation, no matter than if you think of any general communications, right, really what we should be aiming to do in any of our building our relationships and rapport with anybody is have a settling in thing, almost what you call a gathering of information where you're out there, you're chatting, you're wanting to find out about them, you're genuine, enthusiastic and authentic about wanting to, to understand more about them. And so you, 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 build the, the friendship, you build the connection by reaching out to them and asking them about themselves. So again, coming back to these classic questions of who, what, when, where, how, so, or, or tell me more about. Um, so those type of questions, so, oh, tell me more about what you, your favorite hobby is, you know, um, uh, who's, who's the person you, you most admire in the world, and you get them to share even a sense of who they are because the people they admire in the world represent who they actually are and what's important to them. So for example, one of my classic heroes would be say Nelson Mandela. So if I hear somebody talking about, a, you know, a particular person that they that they have a connection with, you automatically get a sense of what's important to that person. So that's really important to start, to start and any relationship, any friendship to start by find, being, showing that genuine curiosity and interest and then really, Aidan, when it gets into starting that poking piece, right, it's, it's something you would do when you feel that that trust and rapport is there and that you've built that relationship with a person. And I would always be very, again, very respectful. So I'd say, how comfortable are you with me challenging you or pushing back on you this, what, with this? How comfortable are you with me giving you some feedback on what I'm hearing? And then I would go in and I would share my insights and I would share what my experience is based on what I'm hearing from them. But I think one of the really, really powerful things about learning to ask those questions and learning to stop and listen is you find out so much about the person themselves that when you start poking at them, they begin to realize that really they're answering the questions for themselves. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. um, and I had a recently very challenging conversation with a person around, around their behavior of avoidance and, and, you know, I had to keep back, going back and back and back to them and, and asking them about what's not working when they're taking the time to reflect and make decisions, what's not working. And they, they felt it just took them a long time to come to the realization that they were holding themselves back by by almost procrastinating as a result, because avoid and avoid is another one of these classic behaviors. But by 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 creating the story for themselves that they were that they were taking their time to make decisions, they were effectively going into procrastination and not coming up with decisions at all. And even getting, you know, poking at the person to get them to understand the impact of the behaviors, it is challenging conversation and you do have to be very respectful. On the, on the topic it. of decisions and um, a lot of our listeners are kind of like in our 20s, 30s. It's at a stage in life, well, I, I know I feel it's a stage in life where my decisions are probably going to be a little bit heavier than they were in my earlier 20s. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like the stage where you're starting to think maybe about, not, not just me personally, but like it's kind of life partner stage. It's like mortgage stage. It's what am I going to do for the, for the next two decades or... When it comes to big decisions more, and if anyone's listening and, and they're facing a big decision, is there a way that you can break it down for us into bite-sized chunks on how to make decisions or what's a proven strategy for decisions or any advice that you would have for anyone that's making decisions in general? 
there there is a very one very basic what i would call a process aiden right and if people use it it will serve them in making any decisions to be honest with you um it's reflecting my own book as called the arch model which i've developed my own my own model around it but in the, the classic one that people would be familiar with is what we call the grow model okay and it, it is a universal model that can be applied in any context, any situation for any problem solving um, context. And it's an acronym again. And what it means is G is for goal, R is for reality, O is for options, and then W is for will to move forward and wrap up, okay? And how you use it is you, first of all, you, so, you know, if I was to ask you, give me an example, Aidan, of some big life decision that you might want to be making at the moment. Um, one of my biggest life decisions is going to be where, where I'm going to be. Okay. okay. So that, that's what you start out with. Geographically, where? Yeah, lo location. I get you. Yeah, absolutely. So that is classically your goal then, trying to identify where, where it is that you want to locate yourself and base yourself geographically mm -hmm. for the next period of your life. Okay. So you start out with identifying clearly the goal. And the reason you do that is I, I climbed Kilimanjaro a couple of years ago, right? And the first thing I had to do was I had to take the map out to find out where is Kilimanjaro because otherwise I might have ended up in Mount Everest instead, which would have been a very difficult, a very different journey. <laughs> um, so the first thing you have to know is you want to know where you're going. And, and, and in identifying what is the goal you're working on, that's, that's probably one of the most, infor most important steps. And you know yourself, Aidan, sometimes that can take time just to clarify that. I mean, yours is straightforward enough, but it could, take, it could have taken you maybe a couple of, of thought process, think, well, is it the geographical location or is it something to do with relationship or is it something to do with work? So even identifying what is the specific goal is important, first of all, and getting absolute clarity on that. And again, that might shift. It actually might shift as you go through the analysis, but you need to have a starting point to know where you're going to begin with the end in mind, as, as classic Steve Covey would say. Um, so that's the first thing. And then what you do is you scope out, okay, what is the reality of the situation? What is the reality now? What is the reality in the event that, that this is the decision I make? What, what's going to be the reality and, and what's going to influence? So the reality for you might be economic circumstances cost of buying a house the reality might be friends relationship work the reality might be family the reality might be language barriers so you look at a whole range of what what is the current reality that's going to impact and influence on your decision and then you go in and this is not a, a, a linear process it's a fluid process you go back and forth between the different aspects of, of the model and then you begin to look at options. So based on all my current reality, based on all the things I've explored, now what are my options? And it could come up with my options might be to spend six months here because that's where my business is based and spend six months in Australia because, you know, I can begin to develop my business over there. Or it might be to spend, um, to, you know, to set myself up based wherever it is in, in, in County Donegal, beautiful County of Donegal perhaps, and, and work remotely. And so my option would be to begin to develop some sort of an online uh, business that would facilitate my staying in this beautiful part of the world. So you begin to explore the different options, okay? And then out of that, you, you eventually um, pair it back, pair it back, pair it back, almost like brainstorming, pair it back to the things that are going to fit for you as, as the right way going forward. 
And then it's the will to move forward, it's the commitment, scale one to 10, how much am I committed to do this? And again, it's a bit like rewiring the brain. It's not going to happen overnight. It'll probably take a bit of effort and, and sorting and addressing, but that's the general process for going through. I can it. imagine that can take some time. And especially I can imagine, you know, people who are going to coaching or as not like for me there now, I'm just throwing you one classic example, but that's, a, there's a lot tied up in that. There's probably a lot of other problems. So I'd mm-hmm. imagine you have to sift through maybe two or three, four problems at a time when you're doing this. What, what when someone coaches with you more what's uh how, how long could someone expect to be working on a couple of problems could it be years or months or yeah it's, it's an interesting uh, what, what i tend to do now aiden to be honest with you is i would tend to contract with a person for about six sessions mm-hmm. and each of those sessions be an hour long and then i would do a review at the end of the sixth and you could continue to work on or the person may have come to the point where they've achieved what they want to achieve and that's fine but you'll usually find, to, to be honest with you, even in, even in making those big life decisions, uh, first of all, it depends on the phase of life you're in, as you mentioned. All right, so life transitions and life phases makes a difference. But even when you're coming through those, working through those, those decisions, Aiden, you'll often find, find that what comes up are the barriers and the fears that prevent people from, from, from making these changes. And it's the time taken to work, work with the person to work through those fears and what's holding them back. So that's why I would say I'd normally look around to six sessions. If, however, a person felt they came to it much quicker, that's okay too. But you'd normally find it takes and it's probably six sessions about every three weeks, to be honest with you, to give people time to go away and, and do, 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 do work in between. So the, the third letter uh, that O for options. So that's yeah. the one that sticks out the most to me because... Well, I'm doing a research master's at the moment and I'll be finishing in December, hopefully. Right. And from that, suddenly I'm very focused at the moment because I know what I'm doing for yes. like six months and I have a plan out. So yeah. After these six months, I'll be coming to an endless amount of options. It's yes. very open, you know. And yes. just when you were explaining that, it was not that it was easier for Aiden, but Aiden yeah. might just have the two or three sort of options. But for me, it's literally, I can go to Australia um, I can go to anywhere in Ireland. I can sure. I'll have to look for jobs. Options is nearly better than having more options. <laughs> yeah. I think there it is. If you have an A and B, you know, you kind of stick with A and forget about B. But yes. for me, coming, yes. and maybe people are listening and some feeling something similar. I like, where do I go? Or what advice would you have on, on that aspect when you have so many options? It's like, yeah. geez, I, I'm overwhelmed here a little bit. So Especially for people that are maybe finishing their leaving certs or looking at, you know, college. Is there a, a whittling down process if you have too many options? Yeah, well, yes. And what I would say really, Stephen, in terms of whittling down process, where you'd eventually go is really at a, I suppose, sort of a gut instinct and subconscious level. What's, what works best for you rather than a practically pragmatic one. Does that make sense to you? So at the end of the day, to connect back to the passion, the vision, uh, what has driven you to even engage in the masters? What was that about? To get the person to really understand what's going on for them behind, the behind I suppose, the transactional piece. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And that's very often the, the, the piece that... Um, that people will connect with. And then sometimes, Stephen, to be honest with you, there, there might not be an absolute 100% clear piece. And you might say, well, you know, what might 
be the biggest regret if you didn't look up, do this, try it out or whatever? And what could be the worst thing that can happen? So it's also to get people to open the minds up to, it doesn't have to be, a, it's not a lifetime decision necessarily. And, you know, so what? You know, what is the worst thing that can happen if you go with something that really, really resonates with you and may not work out the way you want, but, you know, what's the worst that could happen? And even getting people to understand that and break through that sense of fear that it has to be fixed, something very fixed. Sometimes it can be very fluid as well. Just actually, literally the next question I have written down here was on that gut feeling. Yes. You just touched on there. And I would talk a lot to a few people about this and, you know, going yeah. with your gut and trusting your gut. Yeah. Like, can you trust your gut or is is that a sort of made up analogy or is it, should you, can you? Um, and I think it's a really good question, Stephen. I think when you talk about trusting your gut, you trust it in the knowledge or understanding yourself and what makes you tick. Mm. So you trust in the knowledge, what are your value systems? What's important to you? What ignites you? What's your passion? And, and so it's not just you're going to ping, pick something out of the air. Have you five hours more to spend on these next few questions? <laughs> what, what's that? What's that, Aidan? Have you, got a, have you got an extra five hours that we can I know, I know. What's your passion and, yeah. and, and, and what's your value system? Yeah, and your values. But, but you know, they're all the pieces that are important. And, and again, Stephen, I would come back to, to again, um, contextualizing it and put it, putting it in perspective. You know, what's the worst that can happen? And how many times have we done something that, you know, has not been maybe the right option, the right decision at the time, but you can be sure there's been benefits and, 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 um, and you know, just benefits out of it. So are you kind of saying that like, you know, sometimes it might not be the right option for all the right reasons, but can it still go with it because it's not going to be all doom and gloom? Yeah. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, so think for yourselves. When when is perfection? Yeah, you know, and when is ninety percent good enough? Isn't it true? Mm. I know. And and you know, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I was just going to think that maybe sometimes when you come to the type of decision, I almost have a fear that, you know, if I I say I have option A or B and I go for A, yes. and I still have the back yeah. of my mind B. And it's yeah. probably not the right thing. It's probably better to just stick with it, is it? And just sort of like, you know, you always have in the back of your mind, oh, this, because we have so many options and this goes for yes. everything now. Right? You know, you're always like, oh God, that, that's probably better. And I mean, how long do you really sort of go, um, how long do you go with a decision before you sort of backtrack on yourself? You know, if, I know it's well, very hard to I, everyone is generalized like that, but. Um, my thinking there was just, you know, how long do you stick with it before you give up on it or go for a different option? Sure. And do you know, Stephen, I think that's a very valid point you raised. And, you know, I know, say, for example, working with leaders and people in the business world, you know, sometimes you do not know what the decision is. And in a very respectful way, you're making it up as you're going along you make the best decision you can make and the most informed way you can make at the time. And then you take from there because life is messy. Life is messy. And that's part of it, isn't it? And, and to be honest with you, at the end of the day, it is the mental mindset, fitness, mastery and approach that you bring to whatever, you know, challenge setbacks or whatever you might encounter as a result of those decisions. That's important as anything because that's part of the messiness of life. 
it's never going to be perfect sure it's not no, no perfection doesn't exist i don't think right? no it doesn't well, apart from Aiden, Aiden's close to, as close to perfect, isn't yet there now, Aiden? <laughs> <laughs> um, I think uh, Stephen said something there that I thought was very interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re-ask you it more. At what yes. point down the road, if you, you know, if you make a decision and it's maybe not perfect what we talked about and yes. you're going with it, but yeah. like, at, at what point do you sort of not give up on it, but you sort of change course or you... You know what? What's a red flag for people that you're like, right? Maybe I need to go down a different road now, or maybe I need to reject this decision. Is there anything? How long do you keep pushing for? Or yeah, yeah, I I, I hear you. I, I I think really, if if this if you're doing something where it is absolutely draining you, Aiden, and where it is, um. It, it, it's like being a, a square peg in a round hole feeling where you know it, it, it just everything is it's 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 just not working for you i think you need to look at it at that stage and say well how long do i push a boulder up the hill mm-hmm. and, you know at, at what point is that is that impacting even my mental well-being my mental health um as, as well as the whole physical effort or whatever and when when you have the experience of hanging off a cliff edge or pushing a boulder up a hill, that's the time to think, how how clever is this? How clever is this to keep doing this? Um, I, I remember even when I started off working first, being in the absolute total wrong job for myself. And I remember before I made a very brave decision because a permanent pension of a state job moving up the ladder. And I remember making a very brave decision to leave but at the end of the day, I, I, when I look back on it, I remember describing to myself one day, I was like hanging on a cliff edge. And if I didn't make that move, you know, I was going to, I, I just, I was, it was just wasn't the right place to be. And there are times when you just have to, you know, all, despite all the attractive pieces of it and all the reasons, you know, there's a time we've got to kind of just acknowledge what's not working for you and say, move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's a fine balance between think you know sometimes you can look at that and, and think if I be resilient enough I'll get through the tough phase but you're continuing to yeah. be resilient and you're showing that you're tough yes. and you can do it and you can do it but still yes. it's still yes, no. after and yeah. it's not getting any better so I suppose yeah it's probably trying to get that balance between making the brave decision to step back or change yeah. as opposed yes. to you know because you don't want to be step, you know, day one of your job and be like, oh, Jesus, this is tough. I'm gone. Yeah. I remember the first day I worked in a cafe. I came home and I actually started crying. I was like, I can't do this. This is mental. That's crazy. And uh, three months later, I was the manager of the place. Yes. <laughs> From my yeah. first day, I wasn't going to go back. And then, yeah, three, yeah. three, days, three months later, I was managing the place. So, yeah, I'd stuck with it, thank yeah. God. Yeah. yeah. And and I think that's a very valid point, Aidan. We we need to and I think against both resilience is hugely important and, and that's a huge part of being optimistic and those light at the end of the tunnel. But if something is just so counterproductive over over a significant period of time, then we need to think is this the right place to be? Absolutely. Yeah. It's like relationships, isn't it? How long do we keep, you know, dipping into a relationship and trying to make it work? where's the where's the point at which it needs to be called mm-hmm. yeah and I can 
tie, sorry, it just ties in with their last episode was kind of about happiness. Was so just trying to get that balance of, yeah, you know, trying to get that sense of achievement, uh, but also making sure that your mental health and your happiness isn't being affected. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Sorry, no, I, I'm, I'm, I'm conscious of our time together, and I, and I kind of, I think we could keep talking here for a long time. I want to maybe just scoot back quickly more, just to wrap this up. Um, the whole idea of the podcast is, is to have people having better conversations. And you said at the start, the who, what, where, how, when, where, when, where. Can, can, so um, let's say, let's say two friends haven't met each other in a long time. They haven't seen each other in a year because of COVID and they need to catch up. Give us, give us three good questions that they could ask each other. And then give us two questions that you shouldn't really ask that they're dead end questions. They're going nowhere. And I think that would be a good way to wrap up with us today. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, there's a whole thing around what we call open questions, right? And they are, as I said, in the who, what, when, where, how, and the tell me, okay? So, you know, the typical thing, you meet your mate and and he says, oh, well, I was off in Fiji surfboarding and windsurfing and whatever. And I mean, you know, that's clearly something that's important to that person. So when a person mentions something, of course, it's important to them. So the classic thing is, oh, that's really, tell me more about. That's really interesting. Tell me more about. And so in doing that, you're reaching out to the person. You're showing them that you're engaging with them. You're showing them that you're listening to them and you're hearing them. And and I think the one thing, there's the questioning techniques, which is really important, right? Which is keeping those open questions. But the other thing we're all devils for doing, um, Aidan, is we're devils for trying to formulate the next question in our heads. All right. So I would say rather than trying to have a list of questions ready, if you go back to the who, what, when, where, just those very open structures on questions, when you're listening to a person, you're not thinking, now what do I ask next? But as they're telling you their story, you can say, so who is there with you? When did that happen? What was the most important thing? What was the most exciting thing? Um, Tell me what was you know, the, the best outcome from it. That's the way to, to keep the conversations open, right? And, and in terms of, I suppose, things to be aware of when we're building those conversations with people. And, you know, it's, it's just to be aware. Things like asking a why question. Classically, when you were a young child and you did something wrong, what did somebody say to you? Why did you do it? Why did you do it? And so we automatically associate the why question with negativity, with uh, bringing us into justifying ourselves and making excuses. So types of questions to avoid are things like the why questions because they can come across being very aggressive. Does that make sense? And, and, um, and challenging. So they're really, they're probably some of the, the, the hooks on which to hang conversations. But again, I, I can't go back to emphasizing enough and building those conversations. The important thing is to remember with two eyes and one mouth, sorry, two ears and one mouth, two ears to listen and one mouth to zip. <laughs> Does that make sense? If, if you're, and if how you're often? someone's going on their, on their first date now after COVID, what if, what if, yeah. what if the recipient is not given anything back? You know, if you're with right. who's who you're asking questions, you're getting nothing from, and they're giving nothing back. What do you do with a person like that? There, go back on Tinder. I, I, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> but you, you know, uh, just, uh, just uh, it. 
So, sorry, ask that again, Ada, Mr. Like, some people are, are very self-absorbed and, and aren't good at asking questions. And if you're stuck in that situation, what do you do? Okay, so are you saying that you're asking questions and people aren't just giving you an answer or they're not forthcoming with anything at all? Yeah, they're just giving you an answer, but they're not asking anything back. They're not really, you know. Uh, yeah, well, I, I think that's an interesting point, Aidan. I, I think it depends on how much effort do you want to put into building a relationship with somebody if already you're feeling that the connection and the chemistry isn't there. Yeah. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah. Stephen, that, that's good advice now if you're dating life. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be asking two questions and I don't get the answer I want. <laughs> but, but you know, isn't it funny? And I mean, the thing is, in terms of relationships, classically, you the tendency will be extroverts and introverts will tend to be attracted to each other. Okay. So, you know, if, if, if you tend to be a more extroverted type of person, the chances are the person that you end up with will tend, and these are tendencies, not general, will tend to be more on the more introverted side. Imagine having two classic extroverts out there trying to communicate with each other. Yeah. You know? So just, just be aware of that. Just be aware of that. Laura, thank you very much. I think we could have talked with you all day. Um, hopefully you'll come back on again in the future with us. Delighted. Um, we're going to put in where the people can get you after this. Sure. Uh, we'll leave the final words with yourself if there's anything that you want to wrap up with and then we can we can end this podcast yeah no i mean do you know what i, I would say pivotal to everything is just learn to understand ourselves isn't that it and to connect with what's happening for us and to be true and honest to ourselves be genuine and authentic and we won't go too far wrong thank you very much very beautiful Pleasure to work with Aidan and Stephen. Thank you very much for hosting this and for inviting me on. It was an absolute delight. And that is the conclusion of our podcast with Maura Dolan. Um, we have gone and done some of the questionnaires that she was talking about. So I'm going to let Stephen maybe um, talk about his first. They're quite insightful. <laughs> yeah, they're this on edge. Um, <laughs> Yeah, there's two. One is kind of makes you, one of them definitely makes me think about more of my negative traits. Um, the the one that gives us a saboteur uh, questionnaire that kind of gives you watch how you're sabotaging yourself. Um, so my top three, there's 10 sort of things, um, 10 self-sabotaging um, topics kind of. My top three is I'm a stickler, I'm hyper-rational and I'm also a bit of a control freak. So to some people that's probably no news, but it definitely makes me think about how I approach things. Um, and Aidan, you did as well, do you know? Yes, so I was um, a people pleaser, uh, a hyper-achiever, and the third one was a victim, which I'm struggling over. <laughs> Not feeling bad about it. <laughs> um, but when you now, like, yes, some of it is kind of like, oh yeah, that's definitely me. But then there is other bits where I'm like, mm, no, nah, it doesn't really fit with who I am. Um, but it's definitely there's a lot of information in it, and we're only sort of after after doing it. So I'm going to go through it more. But I wouldn't mm -hmm. use it all to heart too much either. And no, this 
for thought, really. Yeah, um, I'm sure there is actually more interesting stuff on that website once you get a chance to go through it. And then the other one we did was the um, positive mental, yes, mental fitness level. Now, I scored 75, which is just on the cusp. Um, Stephen now was 85, 86? 86, I believe, yeah, out of 100, is it? So it's kind of a, it's, it's to see your positivity to negativity strength ratio. So it is. So the two of us are actually quite high in that, which is great. Um, and it basically means that according to what I'm reading right now, that we exude an energy and aura of positivity. <laughs> so it's not a great way to end uh, episode five, right? And really fast. Say it again? Say that three times really fast. <laughs> I'll call you later and I'll tell you. Uh, yeah, so you can check them out. I, well, the links are going to be um, in the bios. Yeah. So check them out and give yourself a little test and see where you're at and see, um, uh, yeah, where you go from there, I suppose. And give us a listen. Let us know how you get on. Um, we hope you enjoyed listening. And again, if you like the podcast, share the podcast. Um, you can find us on Instagram, find us on Gmail, follow them tags, Soul Brew Podcast. Yeah, so peace and love. Peace and love. <laughs>